You are now listening to The Junk and Jam Hour Online Radio Broadcast With your on-air host Christopher Albert He is going to amaze you Surprise you Or sadly underwhelm you That's for you to decide In the meantime Stay tuned It's The Junk and Jam Hour With Christopher Albert As heard only on Radio Free Brooklyn Which means it's Monday And some of you are still white girl wasted I guess you can be black girl wasted too But that sounds racist So we'll just say white girl wasted Yeah White girl wasted Right here on The Junk and Jam Hour Happy Monday Everyone <laughs> You are listening to the Junker Jam Hour right here on Radio Free Brooklyn, the nonprofit community organization of freeform internet radio station streaming original content by New York City artists and broadcasters, maybe budding journalists, um, and musicians and DJs of all kinds, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, today, we have a very special guest in the studio. Um, she originally hails from Boston. <laughs> and now shares her talents on many stages here in New York City. She's a musician, singer, writer, um, a pianist. <laughs> uh, she co-wrote and starred in uh, Matchmaker, Matchmaker. I'm will willing to settle an off-Broadway musical about internet dating. That was also a featured production in the prestigious New York Musical Festival. And along with her one-woman show, uh, Familiar Things... Um, she has uh, garnered uh, Manhattan Associate Association of Cabarets and Clubs award nominations for both of those. She's also an entrepreneur and uh, was one of a few entrepreneurs worldwide to be interviewed, um, to be an interviewed subject within uh, Sarah Centrella's best-selling book, Hustle, Believe, Receive, an Eight-Step Plan to Changing Your Life and Living Your Dream, which our guest knows all about. As a comic, she has appeared at 55 Below, Lincoln Center, The Comedy Center, Caroline's, just to name a few. And she has been featured on VH1, which we will be talking about. Uh, most impressively, she's an activist um, who um, just so graciously finds the time to coach underprivileged women who are looking to re-enter the workforce, which is hard enough for any woman, um, at the Coalition for the Homeless uh, First Step Job Program. And we'll also talk about her recently authored Dry Run, a memoir that compares um, the struggles of running a marathon to the challenges of having grown up as the only child, <laughs> which is struggle enough, with an alcoholic parent. Please help me welcome comedian, writer, musician, speaker, Miss Nikki McCullum. Hello, Nikki. Hello, Chris. I'm Thank so you. happy to be here. Oh. We are so happy. <laughs> That's for you. Thank you. <laughs> Your adoring fans. Oh, lovely. <laughs> now, you've been on stage forever, I'd imagine, right? You've, you've uh, received a bachelor's degree in music. I did. From New York University. From New York University. Mm -hmm. is, is that what uh, brought you from Boston? Yeah. Yeah. It is. You just, I, just a lifelong dream to come to the city. Yeah. I moved to New York and I never left. Yeah. But I am very loyal to my Boston sports team. Absolutely. I, I feel like all, um, is it Bostonians? Is, am I, is that yeah. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like all are typically, oh, right? Yeah. It's all about sports. If you talk 
to anyone from Boston. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they take that with them everywhere. Everywhere. Screw the Yankees. That's right. Screw the Mets. And whatever else. Yeah. <laughs> Is there hockey in Boston? Um, yeah, the Bruins. We just lost, though. Oh. So, so you're a big sports fanatic as well. I Yeah, I'm a big football I mean, football's really my, I follow football. football and I like the Celtics and the Red Sox, but the Patriots are really where it's where at. my heart is. Yes. <laughs> well, we're so glad for you to join us. Um, now, uh, usually our first segment um, um, is a new segment. I call it the not so really weird news. Oh, great. But we have so much to cover. So why don't we do this? I'm going to, for the first time, I've never done this before. I'm going to let you pick which one. So why don't we get into that? We're going to do that uh, right now. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I just won my own sound effects here. Not so fake. Really weird. News. Now, now we have a new segment. Uh, let's see, from um, half from Florida, half Hawaii. Florida is always fun to cover. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see, what do we have here? Oregon and Colorado. Which one... Would you like to visit? <laughs> Let's go Colorado. Okay. <laughs> oh, we're already open to it. So now, um, according to, well, thank, thanks to our source, NPR, um, a Google Maps, apparently, as it turns out, have taken about 100 drivers and escorted them <laughs> to a muddy mess, apparently. Um, in Colorado. So I guess unlucky drivers who recently, you know, were l led astray on a detour um, near Denver Airport. Um, it, it took them into wrong shortcuts and apparently it drove them into a muddy field where they got gridlocked earlier last week. <laughs> so um, have you ever gotten... I, I feel like we did this last week. We were following Google Maps, my husband and I, and it kept on taking us into like an exit that was closed for repairs. And so we had to go around like a few times. Have you ever been a stuck driver? So here's a really embarrassing fact about me. I have a hard time reading maps. Period. So I'll be looking at the Google. I use it walking a lot in the yeah, city. Oh, you're one of the. <laughs> I, I am one of those. And I always, you're right there, right in front of it. <laughs> I, it baffles me. I will stare at the app and I'm always, wow, I man, that blue dot just moves the wrong direction. Right. right oh, right. Right. That, that, and then it's kind of like this like beaming blue light. It's yeah. supposed to be you. <laughs> yeah. And then I get really frazzled and I start to get like, your bearing. Yeah. Yeah. I just cause a scene by myself. Just <laughs> Which is good. I mean, yeah. who doesn't in New York City? You're, I'm kind of waiting for someone to say, can I help you? Right. But it's New York. So I just am frazzled and yeah. swearing and causing a scene. Yeah. It's, it's weird because I always feel like, well, not not so so much me. Maybe it's because I look young, but my husband will um, get, get the attraction of people always coming to him like, excuse me. Do you know where and what and such? And thankfully for them, he has a great memory. He's like a human compass. <laughs> I'm just wow. terrible. Wow. I am terrible. So, Nikki. McCallum. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful writer, wonderful comedian, <clears throat> which we will get into. Um, I feel like, <clears throat> excuse me, and then you can stop me if I'm wrong. What drives you in your life are relationships, 
whether you know their family, friendships, coworkers, um, people you help coach, yeah. um, and obviously lovers. Oh yes, all about the relationships because about- we don't get to where we're going by ourselves. We don't, right? Um, and and I feel like you're one of those human beings walking amongst us who are very conscious of that. Yeah. Right. Um, so whether parents or lovers, obviously relationships are hard. All relationships are hard. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back a little bit. Um, you've uh, co-wrote and starred in um, a musical, Matchmaker, Matchmaker, I'm Willing to Settle. Oh, yes. <laughs> talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, you talk about the hardships of just dating. Yeah. So I'm going to date myself here. <laughs> Do so. Matchmaker came to be before dating apps were a thing. It was during the time when people were like looking for dates on Craigslist. Like it was pre. Oh yes. yeah, it was. You never know. Well, as a gang guy, we were look. Maybe we weren't looking for relationships, but yes, as a female, we probably were. Yeah, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll meet a nice young man on Craigslist. Sure, he might sell me something. He might. <laughs> Two for one, right? Yes. Um, but so I was going through a period. So I originally had an acting background and I, I was doing a show. I, I was fortunate enough to join the actors union during 2008 where the economy oh, tanked. Congratulations. Uh, thank yes. you. Um, which was a good motivator in itself, a good motivator, but because it was 2008, there was no work for actors. And, and I was also coming from a point of now that I was new to the union, I was going up against actors who had like a million sure. Broadway credits. So sure. I, the odds of me booking something were so slim. So I was like, okay, maybe I can create my own project and do something for myself. Right. So I was also dating quite a bit at the time. I was out of a job, out of a boyfriend. And uh, I wrote, so I decided to do this cabaret. And it was, people get confused because the cabaret was also called Matchmaker, Matchmaker, I'm Willing to Settle. And I didn't really know what, so my friend of mine, Calvin Moonlow was his name. He was like, I will direct it for you. You write it, we can kind of write it together. So we wrote this cabaret, we put it up, we invited a ton of industry. I mean, we were like in our early 20s, we didn't really know what we were doing. But that's, but that's obviously as an artist, sometimes we forget. Yeah. To have that, keep that curiosity like a child. It's, we don't have to worry about the what ifs or the, you know, yeah. will this work, will it not work? Just yeah. do it. Just do it. And so, I mean, I was like 23 at the time. I was literally I going it. through Broadway playbills and seeing I who produced that. what yeah. and inviting them to my cabaret at the new play. <laughs> But you know what? Some came. That's the crazy That's, thing. Well, they love it. They'll take an invite. Yeah. It, I mean, it I was It mean, was looking back and like, wow, that's crazy that I thought that was okay to do and crazy that I did it and that people came. But that's what it takes. Yeah. The nerve. The nerve. Exactly. You just, you the miss. The gumption. The gumption. Great use of gumption, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. The chutzpah. The, oh, I like it. The chutzpah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had these producers come. So we had a lot of people from the off-Broadway community come and we got a lot of feedback along the lines of, if you write this into a full-blown musical, it may have legs. Because at the time, nothing about internet dating had been done. It was super, super new. And we were like, okay. Just this novice idea of dating. Yeah. Yeah. It's been sung about a million, million thousand times. Yeah. But not seen, apparently, theatrically. Apparently. <laughs> Not until the share show. Okay, yeah. so, but what I find so fascinating about it is, you know, it, it's not just about your, uh, whether it's, and, and obviously you were young, it's like, what is this 
little gal know about relationships. Right. Um, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, you, you, you get your you get your heart just broken at a young age or not, you know, whatever leads you to there. Yeah. Um, but you also talk about your relationship with food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love food. Yeah. Well, <laughs> who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I look like I don't, but we all love food. We do. Did you, did you, I mean, I don't think it was, but did other, I mean, obviously for women, it can seem like a problematic relationship. It seems like for you, though, it was something you enjoyed and you encouraged yeah. And it wasn't something that you self-shamed yourself about. No, and I you mean, still don't. <laughs> no, I I eat dinner in my bathtub like yes. six times a week, um, and I'm pretty. I feel great about it. Yeah, yeah. And 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 <laughs> I want to talk about that because I feel like it's not even about why, but when. When did you start eating dinner in the bathtub? So, it's so I. This, so okay, so it started small. <laughs> I realized what I was gonna say, and I'm like, oh, that's great. No, so it started with wheat thins. I, I did earlier in my twenties struggle go through. I struggled with depression and anxiety, and so I would eat in my bathtub, and I found myself just like snacking in my bathtub. But what's crazy is it evolved into this thing that I now love to do. So most women might have like. You know, the curling iron and the blow dryer, which you do. Yeah. Maybe just like a little basket. But now you also have a pantry? Yeah. No, I have a full-blown tray. <laughs> I do. That's lovely. Yeah. That's, I mean, it, it's, why not treat yourself like the queen you are? You have to. And I'm a water sign too, so I love being yeah. in the tub. I'm a fire, by the way. Mm. <laughs> we, we could use a little balance. Yeah. Um. So I love that. So now you once also... Uh, in 2011, you participated in the VH1's Why Am I Still Single? Correct. Um, hosted by, um, facilitated by Siggy Flicker, a matchmaker. Um, obviously, I'm thinking perhaps you felt like you haven't met the right person at the time. I mean, what was your goal for going on the show? I feel like, did you really think a matchmaker from... <laughs> Real Housewives of New Jersey on a basic cable show was really going to find you a match or was this just something fun? So actually, and it's so funny, I feel like I probably signed an NDA, but it was like 10 years yeah. ago, so it's fine. It's fine um, now. I, I think the NDA is, is before, before it airs, right? right? Totally. Totally. We can totally, totally talk about it's it. Fine. So I actually did it because the episode was going to air. So that show Matchmaker, Matchmaker, Willing to Settle was written into a musical. It opened Brilliant. at the ART in Boston, second stage Oberon, and then was scheduled to transfer to Nymph that was a week before this episode was going to air. So yes. that's why I did it, because it yes. was the same genre. And I was like, oh, maybe if I it go on national television, yes. I can... You Kim Kardashian did. Yeah. Well, really, Chris Jenner did, right? right. Total Chris Jenner did. Um, which I love, right? Because if you can keep your eyes, I mean, it's your eyes, your heart, your ears open for anything that might be symbiotic or work with what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you take that opportunity. Yeah. Um, did, did you have to... Uh, I couldn't find any clips of, of your oh. show in particular, but you had to oh, undergo a makeover. Was that ridiculous or what? It was. Did you see the clip? You said I you couldn't. couldn't find it. So the makeover was literally... So there was this one tip. And <laughs> I have to say, some, some of I the... I saw your like, eyes being raised, and it was being like a raised, quick... 
So one of, well, one of the tips was to raise your eyebrows, but the one that really got me was to take a thing of self tanner and just yeah. spritz it on your face before you enter a room. And oh, apparently you, like every time you enter a room, yeah, just, just self tanner, mm -hmm. just do like, just a, like a little a, glow. Quick. So of course being the impressionable 25 year old that I was, I, I was like, it. Oh, I'm going to do this. So I got that's my, funny because I, I still wouldn't think of you as an impressionable young woman. Oh, thank you. <laughs> But yeah, that was the big, and I was, what's so funny is I'm wearing red lipstick right now. They told me to never wear red lipstick. Oh, well, that's just <laughs> finding your own. Yeah. Finding your own way around town. That's right. Yes. Um, now that was years ago. You still haven't found a match yet. You recently were dumped. I, you yeah. were in a two and a half relation, two and a half year relationship. You lived with the person. I, you really did your due diligence. We do. I love that. Um, yeah, I was yeah. in the two and a half. Yeah. So, and it's, I am actually dating someone else now, which is not, oh. not on the internet. So, you know what? Let's not talk about our exes then, right? Well, we can. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, what the hell was the problem? We're just going to so, assume it was his problem. You know, not yours. We can assume. I, I feel like whenever I tell the story, I sound biased, but I think if I'm going to be really diplomatic about it, I think we were in different places in our lives. Sure. 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 Was he, that was so nice of was me. Was he an artist of some kind? No, or very not pragmatic? At all. Nope. Very, you know, I think very that. Very practical. Very practical. Yeah. Which, which you can use as a balance sometimes. Well, However. Think, <laughs> yeah, I think, and I'm sure, I don't know what relationship you and your husband have, but I think that for artists, it's, I know for me, my whole life, I flip back and forth. It's like, okay, well, there's one dynamic that I seek out where I'm kind of the artist and crazy person, yeah, and the other person is stable. But then there's also like artists are just so like it's like a different kind of intelligence and connection that I only get with other people who are creative. Right. So it's like you got to find the balance. Right. Yeah. You're not you're not just reading a book. Yeah. You're, you know, you're being inspired by it to yeah. write your own. Yeah. Right. You're, you're trying to you're in this creative space. Yeah. And sometimes being in that creative space, as we know, keeps yeah. you up. You yeah. know, if it's a bother to the person next to you, your nightstand, your nightstand light going on, yeah. it can be a problem. It can be a problem. And I have to say, too, you know, after that relationship, the two and a half year one ended, I was totally devastated. I was totally blindsided. It came completely out of the like we had just gone on this trip to Australia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I thought I was getting You're a ring, Chris. Like, yeah. Um, Even though it, he was trying to kill you. Right. Exactly. But it was it was completely out of the blue. But the amount and I was totally devastated. I was eating a lot in my bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> the amount I've gotten. Chocolate. Done, do you like chocolate as well? I do. Only milk chocolate. Oh, no they dark say, chocolate. Well, I, yeah, I feel like everyone's like dark chocolate's healthy. I don't like the taste. I don't like. I that love it's supposed that. To be healthy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I love it. I, I mean, I like both, but I yeah. get it. I get it. Um, but looking back, the amount I've gotten done creatively since that, since I got dumped, is yeah. unbelievable. So I'm yeah. really grateful. Another motivator. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you, and we're definitely going to get into deep into this because you have this knack for seeing. By the way, that's two words for seeing, not foreseeing, yeah. as in foreshadowing, but foreseeing the. Um, just if there's this dark space or maybe something that somebody else would see as a challenge, you've see it as a way to you know um boost you yeah 
in maybe the other direction and 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 you make it work yeah. so um obviously not everyone's a perfect match no you know you're dating right i mean is it too much to ask for a nice jewish man with charisma <laughs> charm a great sense of humor maybe a thriving career of his own a decent penis size <laughs> um have you ever thought about dating a black man um you know i have act- well i yeah, have dated black just, men yeah yeah okay. um yeah, it would. It You've just hasn't worked it. out. It just yeah. hasn't worked out yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. Um. Now my experience, though, <laughs> I've dated all of them too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the one with the, the ones with the most open. I mean, we're not trying to pigeonhole anybody, but some stereotypes are true. Jews can be quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take Is it. that important? I feel like that's an important thing, obviously, for someone like you. Humor. A sense of humor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I need. I Just either lighten need, the hell up. I need a sense of humor or a phenomenal audience member. <laughs> Someone you can just bounce ideas off of. Yeah. Thank you so much for enjoying that. Right. So if if they don't have a sense of humor themselves, they understand yours. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Exactly. I yeah. I don't think the person has to be funny. Both. They have to have a sense of humor. Yeah. Right. That's right. 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 Um, and an open one, right? Yeah. Because as an artist, your humor. You're just always evolving. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, like George Carlin and some of the greats. (laughs) Um, So now you're... Does the person you're dating now know about... I mean, have they Googled you? They know about all your history. (laughs) Yeah. So the person... The person I am now seeing is also um, a very talented artist. So there's a mutual understanding. Great. Yeah. Love it. Um, Wait till you guys get to the whole... You know, sharing of opinions, oh. right, of each other's work. <laughs> you have to let what down fun. your guard a little. What fun! It's always so much fun because you don't get it. Sometimes you don't get it at first, and yeah. you get a little depressed. You're like, "Wait a minute, I wrote it." Right. I'm <laughs> um, so now. Um, tell us about that. <laughs> tell us a little bit about your little safe sex watch. Oh my god, I, I lost it. You lost your yeah. safe I hope it's not keeping you from having safe sex. Though. It's not. No. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because... Th- so I'm wearing a watch now. This is not my safe sex watch. Um, but I... It was also like a really nice watch. I really like that watch. <laughs> <laughs> Just a nice watch, period. Yeah. And I left... I don't know what... I, I had it for about five or six years and just a couple what, what months was ago... The, what was the... How did the safe sex watch happen? Did I, Okay. Oh, yeah. Because I have a joke about the safe yes. sex watch. Yes. So, okay, this is how it happened. So one of my best friends was on traveling somewhere. And at the time, we were like in our 20s, hooking up with a bunch of... I'm like, slash, like I'm still in my 30s and still... No. Uh, We always try to make it sound better. That's what the 20s are for. Yeah. So she was like, you know, there was this really nice pair of earrings that I wanted. And so I bought them for myself. And I just, to justify spending that amount of money, I I deemed them my safe sex, sex earrings. And I was like, ah, that's a brilliant idea. Like, yeah. I've always wanted a watch. This, it was the Michael Kors watch that I'd been eyeing for a so long time. So you needed an excuse to treat yourself. Yeah. And Why so, not find one? But so another one of my girlfriends got the same watch. So we were like, so we all had Twinning. safe sex jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah. So it wasn't really anything other than let's just give it a fun little label. Yeah. Cause and then you have a cute little story behind right, it, right? Yeah. Um. Now I want to go back though. Do you now in dating? 
And and I I, I forget if if we put a timestamp on it. How long again have you been eating in the bathtub? Oh, eating in the bathtub. Um. So I've been eating full meals in the bathtub. <laughs> We've seen for, pictures of you with pizza slices. Yeah, I'd say for about four years now. Okay. Yeah. Now, has this then been a deal breaker for some of the guys you've been dating? I mean, you've kind of been for half of that time already been shacked up with someone. But yeah. did they find it odd? or? No, you know, no one's really questioned me on it. I I'm just kind of like, that's yeah, I do that. Fun. Yeah, yeah, that's me. No one's had, you know... You won't find crumbs on me. It's down the drain. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Washed it off. Yeah, and I think it gets... And sometimes I'll take a glass of wine. Like, it's just gotten more elaborate over the years. Because yes. it's like, I want to feel glamorous. Do you... Now, as a person who feels glamorous in the tub, <laughs> are we bubbling it up? We're bubbling it up. But the funny thing is, is my tub is really small. So I yes. often... And my drain doesn't work. So I have a I drain stopper that I keep moving with my foot. is yeah. So I can keep the water in Do you in. have like a back... A suction cupped back cushion. I'm not that fancy. Not that fancy, yeah. yeah. She just has a fancy tray. Yeah. Do you have um, wine glass jewelry? I don't, but I do have, there's a place on the tray for the wine glass. That, that, that's a good <laughs> stocking stuffer for you guys. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, do you celebrate all the holidays? Ish. Ish. Yeah. You'll take well, a gift. You're not going to say gift. no. <laughs> yeah. I'll def take a gift. What kind of Jewish woman are you? <laughs> She'll take it. Okay. First of all, thank you so much for coming on and and being willing to be so open. Oh yeah, my As favorite you activity. Are. Yeah. Um. Now let's 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 segue then. Oh, I love a good segue. <laughs> I don't have a, I don't know if I have a good one for you right now, but um, obviously part this is your life story. You, um, you recently we will. We, we, I want to talk about the challenges because it's taken a few years, but. Yeah. Um, you recently released a memoir, Dry Run. Yes. Um, on um, by Octus Publishers. Yep. Um, this memoir, I'm just going to read a quick brief here, compares the challenges of running a marathon with the struggles of growing up as an only child with an alcoholic parent. Um, it's 26.2 chapters um, because your first marathon... Uh, particularly the Providence Marathon, was 26.2 miles. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so in telling this story, um, the premise of the book was sharing some of your childhood anecdotes um, while also telling mile by mile your journey to your first marathon. Yeah. Um, I'm going to set this up. I, I love pimping the story, <laughs> by the way, for you. So you don't have to do the hard work. But now the other part of that is you, you've had an alcoholic father. Yep. Who battled a 20-year addiction, went to rehab, suffered alcohol poisonings a few times. And after a near death, you know, almost near death relapse. Mm -hmm. um, how many years was he clean, by the way, before he relapsed? Obviously, it takes a few tries. Yeah. So he relapsed several. You know, it's funny. The dates, I swear, are correct in my memoir. But yeah, I, I always get them mixed up because he'd be like sober. There was a period of eight years he was sober at one point. Wow. And then relapsed. That's amazing. And then it's like six months. It's so it really varied. So he had a near death in 2011. That's when you decided the only way to get through to him because both. Your parents were runners. They were, yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that. Um, was to run a marathon. 
Yeah. Which is crazy. It is crazy. Not to your parents, of course, but to you it was. Right. They always encouraged you. They always said, you know, if you run a marathon, yeah. it'll be like a life changer. You can do anything. Yeah. Um, so let's start there then. Obviously, yeah. before the book. Yeah. This was this uh, a very particular... You, I mean... How was it though? I mean, I my mother um, had a crack heroin addiction for twenty five years, um, so I understand when someone's not present mm-hmm. as a parent. Yeah. Um, however, it's a different. I feel like it's a different um, experience. Uh, my my husband had an alcoholic father, and maybe the temper temperament could be a lot different if my if my mother was dozing off the alcoholic is opposite you yep. know like maybe they're on a rage or something do you have any bad experiences with your father growing up so what's interesting is my father when he was intoxicated he so he would, would pass out okay, so he was so never he violent. yeah got yeah, it, yeah. Got it. and i think that one of the reasons i really wanted to write the book is he was a very very high functioning depressed yeah, person sure Sure. And very high-functioning alcoholic. And I think there are a lot of us out there. As I mentioned, I've struggled with depression and anxiety. Yeah. You probably never know it. We I'm, just slap a smile on our face yeah. and keep going. Yeah, and especially in New York, yeah. um, it's just, it runs rampant. And you don't realize it. So my dad, I, for me, when I hear the term alcoholic, I think of like this violent kind of deadbeat. It doesn't have to be. No, but and my dad was the opposite of that. And so I wanted to, t- I guess it's my story. It's not my place to tell his, but I wanted to show that because that's how yes, I saw him. It's your experience. Yeah. Yeah. So you, since your dad was always functioning, you still, and obviously this is what the book, you've had great memories Yeah. with your yeah. father. Um, and, and obviously you found a way to tie it in, which is brilliant. I love it. Because obviously one, that is one of the reasons. Well, obviously the first reason being that you wanted to get your father's attention. Look, Dad, you're going to kill yourself right. doing this. I don't know what else to do. I'm going to run this marathon. Yeah, and it's so funny because I remember this moment, and a lot of this is in the book, but for some reason, having a conversation with him about it was like, the most intimidating thing. And I was like, oh, we're running so, a marathon. Well, did you feel like it would be... Con- was it a confrontation? Um, I think I just didn't know what I would say. I mean, there were a lot of complex emotions. Sure. And I guess I just didn't, looking back, I just remember this moment vividly in my apartment before I ran that marathon, before I decided to run the marathon. And I was like, I can't have this conversation. I don't remember why. I just remember that moment. Yeah. So this seems like an easier alternative. <laughs> Let's just do <laughs> just it this psychotic. way. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking his language. Yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's about getting rid of that I don't want to say ego, but we try our best to understand other people. And sometimes you have to take on that initiative to speak their language. Yeah, I ate in my bathtub for a week after that. I didn't move. So your dad ran 32 marathons. Your mother's six. Yeah. Um, And and, and again, that, that was one of the things they taught you. You can accomplish anything. Did this particular race, um, your first race, um... The Providence Marathon. Yeah. Did it help you complete that first goal? Were you able to get dad's attention? Um, <laughs> I would say through a series of events after that marathon took yeah. place. 
It was a starting point. Yeah, it was a starting point. That's exactly right. And that's a big, there's a, well, there's two marathons in the book, but that's a yeah. big premise of the book is life is about marathons and you complete one and there's going to be another, another one, but one. it's all about realigning expectations and resetting goals. And, yes. Yeah. So it was a starting point. And, and obviously the book is revealing not just, again, you say it's your, it's your life story, yeah. part of it. Yeah. Um, through this lens. Um, but you still had to get your parents' blessings, right? Because yeah. it includes them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I've been working on the book for eight years. Yeah. It actually, it started, it was an assignment giving to me in an acting class. Oh, wow. It was a Meisner oh, that was studio. very helpful. <laughs> right? <laughs> Seriously. Duh, right? Leave it to that Meisner. It's a Meisner. But I had to. Tap in! Right? Got this. <laughs> So it's kind of it's called PM a PM one. So it's your first class. You have to go. You do this personal monologue. So I had to write two pages about something that was difficult to talk about and perform it for the class. Yeah. And after I, perf, quote unquote, performed it, I use air quotes a lot. I realize on air you That's, can't. <laughs> like it's a weird. Quirk. We don't say your air quotes, Nick. <laughs> um. But yeah, he was like, "You should you should write this into a book." And I took him. Oh, really seriously. Great. But. Yeah, so... So you got that blessing right away. Well, you, so I wrote the book first. Uh, and then I took it to my class. parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, Can't. before I asked my parents if I could... So I've been working on the book it. for about three years. Then I went to my parents because I had a publisher that was interested. And I was like, hey, I want to move forward with this. Can I just ask you something before I continue? Yeah. Are you not wearing one of your headphones on on purpose? Oh no, is it not? Flip oh it my over. god. I, I just thought it was broken. That's hilarious. Oh my god, that's so funny. So we're going to take a quick technical break. You guys are listening to the Junk Jam Hour right here on Radio Free Brooklyn and we're back. And we're back. <laughs> I just noticed it. That's so funny. I was like, yeah, maybe one headphone just doesn't maybe, work. Maybe maybe I didn't, you know, maybe they don't maybe we don't like you. Yeah. What kind of what kind of shit show is this? <laughs> so, okay. Now, now, staying in this space, then, you obviously started, obviously, uh, again, it was just this opportunity that revealed itself to you. Hey, why don't you think a little deeper, maybe come up with something about your life, something that was difficult for you to talk about, be- you know, with, yeah. for whatever reason. How hard was it for you to allow yourself to be vulnerable, to put your life, whether it was into print or into a performance or into a monologue? Yeah. So I've always written from personal experience. Yeah. So that's a very easy genre for me. I will say the book was different because in performance, you put it out there, but it's a performance. You can't rewatch it, right? Yeah. Unless someone's recording it on their phone. You but can exaggerate it. You can exaggerate bit. it. People forget it. But a book is like... You could hide behind, even if it's yourself, you could hide, still be hide behind a, a character of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the performance happens and then it's over. And then you do it differently the next time, right? But a book is in print. <laughs> yeah. Forever. Forever. <laughs> yeah. So that I did have a Just moment. Just like the Torah. <laughs> exactly. All the scriptures. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did definitely have a moment. Because again, I've been working on it for so long that I'm kind of immune to it. Yeah. And I've written so many different drafts So it's second it. nature to you. It, it wasn't really hard for you to be vulnerable. And obviously you were encouraged to be. Yeah. You know, from your parents as well. Yeah. You know? I mean, both my parents were so cool about it. Um, but yeah, I definitely had a few moments after it came out where someone who I never in a million years 
thought would read my book reached out and I'm like, oh, that's so weird. I like didn't realize you'd be, it's like something you don't think about. No. Right? Yeah. So let's, let's peel this right. Now in, you started it in writing the book, you had to dip into your childhood, which you were so far removed from. Yeah. How did you tap into that past and did it trigger something? Yeah, I so not to toot my own horn, but I have a really good memory. Let's toot it. Let's toot it. (laughs) I have a I have have a a horn horn tutor. We have a horn tutor. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, let's toot it. Um, You have a really good memory. I have a good memory. So a lot of it, like I just have these moments from my childhood that I remember so vividly, and then there's other things that I won't remember at all. Yeah. So I guess depending on its significance. Yeah, and so the way. I started my first pass at the book was just, I was working with a writing coach on it. And she was like, just think of a different memory. This should be 26.2 different memories. And then just dig into them. Yeah. And so that's how I started. It was just yeah. all these different memories. Just an outline. Yeah. Some some index cards. Oh my, I'd, I looked like notes, a serial notes killer. Everywhere, notes everywhere. Oh. I have books, notes, cards. Every, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I had them all scotch taped on my wall. We're going to thread them together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I love that. Now, but... Obviously, we know how it transitioned into the book. Obviously, from from just having this uh, running a marathon and then transitioning it into the story. Um, But why was it, though, so important for you to put into a book? I mean... I, I understand why you did it, but what was the importance of it for you? Did it, did was it therapeutic for you to do that? Did it's, you feel, I just have to do this? Yeah, so I, so it was therapeutic, though that's not why I did it. Yes. Um, But yeah, of course it was therapeutic. But for me, it was just really, I just really wanted to tell my story. That's I it. really want, you know, I, I feel like in a lot of the pieces that I've created, I feel like I bank on the fact that all of us are going through the same thing and everyone's just kind of afraid to talk about it. So I'll yeah. like throw myself out there. It's the same thing with addiction or dealing yes. with an addict. You know, it's such- It doesn't always have to come from the perspective of the person who is the addict. Right. Because it affects it people affects- around them and the people they love. Yeah, and I feel like there's so many- there's so much shame around this arena that the support groups are all anonymous, right? <laughs> That's crazy. That's right. It's actually crazy. That's right. Yeah. And so for me, I wanted to kind of give people a voice yes. who may not feel comfortable having one and let them know that they're not alone. Yes. That's kind of the main, was the main driver. For in, in, in terms of addiction and, 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 and two of my favorite writers, um, Augustin Burroughs oh. and David Sedaris. Oh, two great ones. Yeah. Right, yeah. I I would place you right up. I mean, oh. at least if you're gonna write, a f- <laughs> if you're gonna continue writing, would you please? Because well, it's a goal. Th- I'll strive. I mean, listen. I mean, we all try to. It's not always the funny will find itself. Yeah, right. Totally. We're not just trying to make things funny. Yep. We're trying to just tell the truth, and if that can help someone, yeah, you know. Um, now in Mildtude, chapter two. Um, one of the excerpts, um, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, you write, 
I'm still surrounded on all sides by hundreds of footsteps patting the pavement, which is physically forcing me to stay slow. I'm not even going to try to calculate my pace. Also, who are we kidding? <laughs> I'm not going to win. Um, really, I just want to finish. What if my daddy isn't at the finish line after all? Could this torture be for nothing? Since this is my first and last marathon, it will you know, still be a personal record for you as long as I cross that finish line. Yeah. Um, first of all, we think of running automatically. How many thoughts go through your head just running? It's it's supposed to be this freeing of your mind. Yeah. Um, but now when you're talking about competitive running, a marathon, um, you also have to tune that 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 out and try to focus on whatever that is. But it sounded like at some point, even early on, you thought about the bigger picture. Yeah. And said and 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 just put 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 an end to it. <laughs> I'm yeah. just gonna do this. Um so one of your thoughts, I get part of that thought, oh, you know what? This is just gonna be my first and last thought. Um and, and you didn't even think your dad, you kind of of just gave in to this thought. Maybe dad is not even gonna be there at the end to see me through it. Why do you think, not just for you, but for a lot of us, our first knee-jerk reaction, particularly to some of our loftier goals, mm -hmm. is that, you know, is this really going to work out? Maybe I yeah. should just excuse it off. Why do we do that? I think it is because that it is, it is less scary and easier to reject yourself than it is to be rejected by someone else. And that's why I think a lot of uh. us are first... Defense mechanism is, oh, I couldn't do this. Would that like, have been a rejection? Was dad there? Yeah. He was. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. But that would have been a rejection. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Obviously, what would that have said? He didn't believe or he couldn't. Yeah. However long it would have taken you. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? He wants to wait around for that. Uh, I, it's true. I was like one of the last people but, to cross. But why? But why? Why would that have been a surprise? I feel like it's not a surprise to see your dad there. Yeah, no, I think No matter what, he was always a loving dad. He was. I think it's, um, I don't know, whenever, I know for me, whenever I set out to do something big, it's like you just put so much work into it. You want it to go so well. And it never, ever goes exactly right. how you think it's going to go. There's you can't strive for perfection. No. Because it's in those imperfections. It's in those imperfections. And make it perfect, apparently. In hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> but like, there's always like, it's the same thing. Like, oh my God, what if I like produce a big show and no one comes? Yes. Like, what if I just spent <laughs> six months of my life training for this marathon and my dad's not there? You know? It's but like, what would be the bigger regret? Not doing it. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, now you've had a lot of challenges publishing the book you talked about um you were working on it for a few years um but in 2016 you felt like it was completed you had a publisher but you were released from a publishing contract um but but you talked about that being a difficult decision so obviously that still had to be part of your choice yeah so I'm gonna be careful. Careful what I say here. Um, yeah. We don't. So, we don't have to talk details then. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it was just a challenge. Yeah. Did you feel then, at, at this stage, that it was failing? So 
be very diplomatic here. So there were some there were some um, editorial things going on that went down mm -hmm. that I didn't feel comfortable with, and I felt lacked some integrity. Do you do you? So that took some courage again from you. Yeah. And to stand up and say, I don't think this is going to work for me because yeah. it, it is an opportunity. However, it might not be the right opportunity. Yeah. And I remember thinking, if I'm going to go forward with this, <laughs> I remember thinking, if I'm going to go forward with this and like put all this personal stuff out yeah. about my family, I'm like throwing you want my. It to be right. I, yeah. Like, oh my God, I'm not, that's not something I take lightly. Um, and. It's a lot. It's a long, convoluted story, but I wound up getting together with the same publishing house. So the owner of the publishing house is is amazing, yeah, um, and was amazing through the whole process. It was a staff related issue, sure. Um, so we wound up. There were some things that happened over the period of a couple of years. We uh, the deal was off, and yeah. we wound up coming back together, and he carried it home. So it wound oh up, God. but but yeah, there was a point where we we um, parted ways. Now and you, that was that was tough. But now writing it, rewriting it, repitching it, yeah. reselling it, yeah. rebranding it. Yeah. Um, you say you felt you've experienced some moments of self-doubt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. Through the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> still. She's still having self-doubt. Still self-doubting. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. How do you get through that? Yeah. So it's funny with Specifically with the book, someone gave me an amazing piece of advice. Um, a really dear friend of mine who also has a, a couple books out. Yeah. Um, I, dry run, it was like re ready for publication. It was ready to be, sent, to be sent to print. And I remember being like, oh my God, what if this is bad? Like, it's my life. Like, what if this is bad? And she was like, you know what? All you can do, d does the book say what you want it to say? Yes. Does it say what you want to say? And everything else is gravy. Yes. Like, literally nothing else matters. So whenever I'm experiencing self-doubt, which I do quite a bit, I always ask myself, but did I do what I wanted to do? Yes. Right? Even like with comedy, if I walk on stage yeah. and I bomb a set or whatnot. Did you say what you wanted to did say? Did I say what I wanted to say? Did I work on the thing that I wanted to work on? Yes. Right? Did I try the new joke that I wanted yes. to try? Did you add that new joke in that bit? that you, Yeah. yeah. Right. So I think with self-doubt, it's you just have to take a step back and ask yourself, okay, but did I did it's I do what I set up to forward do? Regardless, yeah, oh yeah. Um, you also had a, a, a the book launch yes. recently for yeah. fun. It was awesome. Yeah, my mom came in. Yeah. And yeah, it was awesome. So now, when did, did so Dad never got to see the finished product? He didn't. This is actually really eerie, and this is another reason I am a firm believer in everything happening for a reason. So, if the drama with the book hadn't gone down a couple years ago, the timeline would have been different. So my dad actually passed away a week before I had to turn in the final manuscript. Wow. So he didn't. That's that's fairly recently. Yeah, about a little over five months ago. Yeah, yes. very recent. My condolences, by the way. Thank you. However, I'm very one for, you know, you have this tremendous life that this person has shared with you. Yeah. And you know that they loved you. And they know you love them. Yeah. And there's nothing more you can ask for. There's no, it's, I feel very, very fortunate. You know, as you, people will find out from the book, my dad and I definitely had our challenges, but sure. our relationship really did come full circle. Yeah. And I think that were it not for the book, a lot of that wouldn't have 
come to mm. fruition. Without you not going through it. Yeah. Without challenges and all. Yeah. If you ever at Lord, whoever Lord is. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Lord Whitney. Whoever. I don't I mean, who knows how you would have felt about that? Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And I, I, mean, I mean, I'm a firm believer in our challenges are really what, it sounds so cliche, I hate cliches, but cliches are kind of what shape us. <laughs> I'd imagine the biggest treat for you is that this book also, and I know we dab, dipped into this a little bit earlier, helps yeah. others it ha- yeah. uh, not just talk about it, confront it, realize it. Yeah. Um, your forward um, was by uh, Johnny Padel. Yes. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did. From yeah. Padel Talent Agency. Mm-hmm. And um, he states, he says, um, this book will carry weight with anyone who has had to overcome adversity. It is an important and inspiring reminder to persevere. Dry Run is a perfect tribute to the beautiful imperfections of humanity. How beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you don't, again, this is not something you're thinking about putting it together because you have, I have to get through this chapter. Am I saying what yeah. I want to say? Everything you just said. But, and then you have this, but at the end of it, you have this book, you know, it's finished. Yeah. The way you want it to. Yeah. You have this book party. Everyone's celebrating it. You have these contributions to the book and forget about the reviews. Right. Amazing. How does that feel? It's awesome. You know, it's so funny. I work, I work really hard. I overwork at everything. And it's it, this. There's no such thing, by the way. It's easier to do this than it is to do this. Yeah, it's true. But I just, at that party, I remember feeling like I have earned this. Yes. <laughs> Which was an awesome feeling. Was that the first time you were able to relax? It might. Because you had to put the event together right yeah yeah i mean thank god i a gentleman named kevin martinez who i hired to do all my pr and roll out the event like i did an unbelievable job yeah i mean but i was like flipping out the day i mean yeah it was really stressful but it was awesome it was awesome to feel like yeah i did this yeah because usually i'm like baby oh that wasn't good enough you know but i'm like no i i did this is this I said what I wanted to say. Yeah. What do you yeah. what did you do at the end of the game with the football and they just throw it? Oh, the touchdown dance? The touchdown. Well, you, yeah, did you, you can spike touch, it. Did you did you spike? Did you you should have spiked your book. <laughs> right? My own variation. Take that. Yeah. Yeah, I did so many dances. Um You were always a writer. One of your blogs uh putting out. Uh-huh. <laughs> um one of the reasons you did it was to encourage and inspire others to put themselves out there. Yeah. Proudly. Yeah, you got shamelessly, it. Shamelessly, which you do. Yeah. Um, why was it so important for you to give that back or to help other people see that? Because you, you, I guess you make it seem easy, but it seems like you obviously understand it's not. Always. It's not. And what's so funny is people always be like, oh, you're fearless. And I'm like, no, I'm not. It's like, despite <laughs> the fear, right? right? Yeah, I've got a lot of fear. Yeah, it's just something that I feel like every good thing that's come to me in life has come from putting myself out there. And also, like, it's just so liberating. And But I also struggle a lot with, like, negative voices in my head and self-doubt. Sure. Oh, my God. Are people going to think it's stupid? The noise. Yeah, what's so funny about putting out my blog 
is I stopped writing it because I was getting feedback that people were confusing the title for a sex blog. And I was like, oh it's my just God, pod, this guys. is like, it's a pod. She's but a so- humorist. She's a comedian. <laughs> but what's funny about She's it? She's a writer. <laughs> She likes to play with words. Yeah. It's wordplay. But the irony is like, oh my God, I can't write this. I can't put myself out there anymore. People are going to think I'm writing a sex blog. Um, but, but I left it out there. But if you read it. Just, yeah. If you read it, you see. I'm glad you left it out there. Yeah. Oh, it's still there. People can still use it. Yeah. Um, And, and that's another thing you, you talk about. Obviously, in the book, one of the things your father has taught you is just, just really, it's not about being fearless. It's about faking it. You'll make it. Yeah, that's right. Just that's all you can do is just do it. Have you oh, done yeah. what you wanted to do? Is it going to get you there? Yeah. Even though it's not, you know, without thinking of the bigger picture, something will still drive you. I guess you just latching onto that momentum despite yeah. not um, knowing. Yeah. And one thing my dad always taught me too is he said, you know, if someone ever presents you with an opportunity, even if you don't know how to do it, you say, say yes, yes and then you figure it out. Yes. Um, you started stand up, yeah, in 2017, yeah, which was another way of you putting out, putting yeah. yourself out there. <laughs> um, one of your lessons um, that you talk about, um, or have talked about in putting out, is obviously one of them: living your life unapologetically. Unapolog- yeah, don't be afraid to be bad. That's where the magic happens. That was one of some of the lessons you learned from yeah. stand up. Yeah. Um, I've had to learn that the hard way too. Um, you just. <laughs> Because you have to get the bad stuff out of the way anyway. You do. You really do. There was one time I went on stage and I was like, what if my goal, because every time I get on stage, I'm like, what's my goal for this set? What if my goal was to be as bad as possible? Right. (laughs) Right? Just uh, Andy Kaufman it. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah. Right. Just because that's, why not try it as a gag? Right. (laughs) That's just what you do. Yeah. Experiment. Yeah. Um, I love that. And, and, and we, we talk about relationships. You, you've had a, you, I, I would say a pretty incredible start to stand up. Um, in terms of you, you know, it hasn't broken you. Not yet. It can. No, I don't think it will. Um, and we talk about, I, the relationships. And, and now one of the relationships, um, is obviously you have a, a comedy partner. Yes. Portner. I'm so bad at accents. Oh, I love accents. I do accents all the time. I I never know what accent I'm doing. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Uh, Well, one of my favorite comedy partners um, um, from from England is is uh, Jennifer Saunders. Oh. And um, oh my God, how could I forget Uh, Don French? Um, So. You have your own comedy partner, Sarah Cooper. Yes. You guys do a monthly uh, comedy show, So Brave Comedy, uh, hosted by you and Sarah Cooper, author of How to Be Successful Without Hurting Men's Feelings, just to name a few. How awesome is that? It's 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 not always easy to find somebody you can share this journey with and also put together a platform. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's been awesome. And that would be my recommendation for anyone getting into comedy is you need a partner in crime. Like yeah, I wouldn't. It, it makes I it easier. It yeah. makes that much easier. Yeah. It's someone else who knows all your material. Someone else who can give you feedback. Yeah. Someone else to show up with you. Yeah. yeah. I, I have some homework to do. So now <laughs> we're, we're running out of time. Thank you so yeah. much for oh hanging God. out. Thanks for having Before me. Before we go, um, you are a bit of an activist. Yeah. Uh, I know some no one's pe- ever called me an activist before. No, I like I it. I know people like to use the word um, philanthropist, mm-hmm. but it's so much more than that. Yeah. Um, 
And you are. Yeah. You are. I mean, just just in everything you do, you know, um, and, and, and just in everything you say and everything you use your platform for, you're an activist. So um, you work with the New York City Coalition for the Homeless uh, First Step Program, which supports underprivileged women mm-hmm. in the New York City area looking to enter the workforce. Yep. Um, how'd you get involved in that real quickly? Yeah. So I was actually looking for a new job. I was job interviewing. <laughs> I'm going to do this really fast. I was job interviewing no, no, and I no was... Rush. We're good. Okay. I was looking um, someone's LinkedIn profile who I was looking at their background to kind of see what companies they had worked at and whatnot. And I saw this first step coalition for the homeless. I'm like, oh, what's this? Yeah. So I reached out to them and that. So in my, my other life, which we haven't talked about, but in corporate America, I do a lot of um, public speaking yes. and career coaching. I've been doing it for years, recruiting and so all I, of all of these years of coaching, recruiting, yeah. um, you have this whole skill set in your toolbox. Yeah, it, it's and it's crazy how everything has kind of come together. And well, so many like half my audience for a lot of my shows are people who I've coached or. Love, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you I mean, you might not always see it. Yeah. But everything you do, the comedy. Um, being an author and sharing your life story and also yeah. obviously being um, coached to people in need and, and helping them try to see a different way of getting them off their feet. Yeah. That touches people and, 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 and that leaves an impression on yeah. people. And that must feel amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, Real quickly, how can people get involved in that, by the way? Oh, if you email me, just I DM, will. Just yeah, DM just DM DM slide into my DMs. Slide and slide into her DMs. So now we can find um, everything about um, Nikki McCollum McCollum on Instagram at Nikki Mac and Cheese. Obviously, that's a play to you eating in your tub. Yep. N i k k i m a c n c h e e s e. And of course, uh, we could find everything on on your website, uh, Nikki. Uh, dash McCollum.com right? That's correct um, And of course you can find Dry Run on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles Barnes and Nobles Do you hear me? I sound like my mother <laughs> Is that what your mother sounds like? <laughs> yeah, she says we're going to go to Targets um, <laughs> Amazon, Barnes and Noble um, And everything we do here uh, You can find out about on RadioFreeBrooklyn.com Everything I do, JunkinJam.com And we uh, have been on Apple Podcasts for the last month But Ooh. we are now um, on iHeartRadio podcast, the Junk and Jam Hour. Um, so you can find past episodes on that. Um, that's it. I guess we have a few seconds. Ugh. Anything anything you want to impart our audience with before we go? Um, don't take yourselves too seriously. Right. But, but you take your goal my, seriously. Yeah, take your goal. Even if no one else does. That's right. <laughs>